This show is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find the other great shows on the network, head over to the Deluxe Edition Network.com. Bev's Video Kingdom is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by Concussions are for Pussies.com. This is Coach Brick Holzhauser. What's wrong? Get your bell rung? You seeing stars again? Feeling a little wobbly in your knees after that last head-to-head contact? Well, get your ass to the sidelines, pull up your tablet, and go to concussionsareforpussies.com. Our website was specifically designed by real experts who know exactly what it takes to get back in the game. An all-star panel of former coaches, players, and equipment managers put together a simple test that'll prove that you're not a pussy and can get you back on the field and we can win that championship. Look, it's easy. You just hit the big red button on the middle of the screen and you'll be asked three randomly generated questions. For example, two plus two equals four. Do you agree? Yes or no? (laughs) Or, you have a last name, right? (laughs) Or, football is the best game ever and not for pussies. Do you agree? (laughs) Wait, what was that? What about science? Have you ever seen a scientist? They look like pussies. <laughs> of course they're going to say you have a concussion. Fuck science and get your ass to the concussionsforpussies.com. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> I mean, that's basically coaching through the 90s at all levels of football. Accurate. That's accurate. Yeah. Do you coach for the local high school? Because I've heard that speech before. <laughs> Hello, hello, BVK. It is time for a new BVK podcast, and we are talking about a movie called Jerry Maguire. And I have to really quick say that due to the uh, the problems of recording a podcast based on when it comes out, on the last podcast, the last draft, you might have heard me talking up the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> and since then, they've been pretty much shit. And now by now, maybe they just killed the Rams and everything's great again, but... Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to talk football anymore because it seems to not work out on the pods. So. I like I like how you were like trying to kind of bring in the theme of real football in or whatever, and it's like just because we record these things a little bit ahead of time. I know it's like before that it seems like we were talking like shit on them and they like were sucking, and all of a sudden they did really great. And, yeah, and, yeah, and it's it's all not matched up with when things are actually happening. Right. So who knows? All, they might be world beaters right now. Maybe one of these days we'll start putting out some some patreons where you can hear us uh, talk. Uh, you know, sports or music or things that are going on outside of the movies we're talking about. But Jerry Maguire, Cameron Crowe, um, a big, gigantic hit for him, a, a $50 million budget that ends up grossing worldwide $270 million. So, I mean, just knocks it out of the park. But uh, it's it's a fun one to go back to um, now in the present because it's uh, at, at the time – it was this amazing blend of, oh, it's the romantic comedy that you can take your guy to and he's going to love it because it's got football. 
And it's it's a very smart mix of romantic comedy with with sports movie. Um, and actually kind of, I, I told my daughter, we started watching it and I was like, Oh, it's a romantic comedy. I think you might like it. And it was pretty much starts off all sports. It's all sports agent stuff for like Mm -hmm. the first like 20 minutes. And she's just like, yeah, not interested in this. And she bounced. (laughs) (laughs) Did he make it past the intro? No, it was like 20 minutes in. She's like, okay, sports agent shit. I'm not into, I'm not into this. There's no romantic comedy here for me. So, so, I mean, this is, gets right to maybe my hottest take, which is, and we, you and I have disagreed about this. This is just not a romantic comedy. Like I think at best, at most charitable, you could call it a romantic dramedy, and I mean, I there's definitional issues here. I mean, you could always try to parse things different ways in terms of like, but there the classic romantic comedy is pretty formulaic, um, and it definitely focuses solely or heavily on like that relationship. So right there, right, you talk about a sort of a blend of a sports movie and a and a romantic comedy. I think there's enough of that other stuff in there that it makes the romantic relationship part of it at least a co-star with not like even secondary, I think to the sports movie, I would argue. And second, is it funny? I mean, there's funny parts, but like it, it's not, it's not all that light. Like there it's charming. It's super charming. And there are some funny lines, but it's not like kind of the classic. I would say it's more funny than charming. There's a lot more, problematic shit than charming shit in this movie for sure but before we get too deep into that din network <laughs> you read my mind i was sitting here i was sitting here trying to think how to segue out of this and the best way to segue is just to fucking jump right into it i guess <laughs> thank you zach oh my god so great how i just i couldn't figure out how to do it you figured it out for me so we are part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Go to theden.show. There's all kinds of different shows you can listen to, um, various subjects. There's movie podcasts. There's uh, pop culture co- podcasts. There's anything you want to want to listen to. And there's a cool centaur show, right? A c- centaur show. Horsing around. So. Oh, right. Well, I mean, we're talking about the podcast of the month, <laughs> which is horsing around. I'm not sure what that has to do with centaurs, but um, I... I I guess it's part horse, part yeah, man. Part, part, part horse, part, part man. man. Sounds like their show, bro. There you go, bro. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fucking um, on the nose. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they so horsing around. It, they have a there's a hair studio, the Red Horse Hair Studio. It's it's like a barbershop. You go in there, you, you start talking about random shit. That's kind of what this podcast is about. They're talking about like you know conspiracy theories, monsters, ghosts, all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, you can check that out on the den dot show uh, horsing around. I, I've listened to a few episodes. They talk about the flat Earth Society, talk about bottles up the asses of random dudes. It's it's just it gets fucking fun and crazy. And it's one of my favorite out. topics. Yeah, you like bottles up the ass, don't you? Speaking of which, back to Kelly Preston. So <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, Jerry Maguire though, it's it's an interesting take because uh, uh, if you think of an earlier movie, Bull Durham. Is kind of that that whole question of is it romantic comedy or is it like a sports drama? What what's going on here? And I think this is the kind of the football version of that. So I would say yes to that, except yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair, but I probably wouldn't call bro. I I, I I lean toward Bull Durham as a sports movie, and I know that's that's a not necessarily a popular opinion. 
I think Bull Durham's more of a sports movie than Jerry Maguire is a sports movie. Ooh, I, I agree. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's more baseball in Bull Durham than there's football in Jerry Maguire. I think the baseball takes more of a front seat. And in Jerry Maguire, the football takes a back seat. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. but but I, th- I guess maybe maybe to me, it's it's partly it comes less down to less to the structure of the movie and more to like the like what hits, which is in Jerry Maguire, I am more I, I'm more captivated by the relationship between Jerry and Rod than I am between Jerry and Dorothy. So like I. There are things about it and interpretations of that if that I think are really great, like the romantic part of that, which is a little bit more bittersweet and a little more complicated than it is on the surface. I think then maybe you like that part of it better. But you know, you know, Jerry and Rod, right? Like it, it's that in some ways that the evolution of that relationship is my favorite, and and that to me makes it less of the romance and more of the you know friendship or or you know relationship of of two people that are not in a romantic relationship. So we had a request from one of our listeners to tell them where we watched this movie. So if you are going to take an Air Alaska flight to Hawaii, you can stream this for free on the plane <laughs> and that is where I watched it on my phone with my headphones in. So if, it's also on HBO Max. So you if go. you guys if you guys want to watch this movie I, I I had the same experience watching some movies that probably weren't necessarily appropriate for planes. I thought they would automatically edit out some of maybe the worst parts, but they don't. So, um, <laughs> did you did you did you feel uncomfortable at all in a couple of the uh, the scenes, particularly when Kelly Preston is uh, don't enjoying herself? Ever stop fucking me. So 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 this so this brings the best story about this movie that i have which is our friend justin who was on the uh who was on the pod for spotlight spotlight Spotlight. yeah so so hot spot justin justin has justin has an amazing story where he his he has two brothers and uh two wonderful parents and they said we're gonna watch a movie tonight and they said okay boys come on and sit down and they're young they're little boys. And they go and sit down. This and is 96 like, when this comes yep, out. And they're going to watch. It's probably 97 because it's on video. They probably rented at Bev's Video Kingdom. Yep. And they bring it home and they're going to watch. So Justin's Jeremy. eighth grade. <clears throat> yep. And, and then his brother's in seventh grade and the other one's in like fourth grade. <laughs> and they're all sitting around around the fire and they got the dogs and, you know, mom and dad are sitting there and they're like, all right, we're going to watch this movie. It's a heartfelt romantic comedy. Here we go. And they football, press play. Lots of football boys. And about. 20 minutes in like right after Brad's daughter quit the movie and left uh, and left the movie there is this there is a prolonged uh, sex scene side boob scene with uh, Kelly Preston and uh, Jerry Maguire and don't ever stop fucking me and she's they're they're having sex and it's really and it's really sweaty and awesome and uh and the boys justin and his brothers are just enthralled with this scene and his mom is absolutely losing her mind get the remote turn us off oh my god and they can't find the remote and they're scrambling for the remote and the scene actually ends before they ever find the remote and so they so they so they uh, the brother sat there so the, and watched well, the whole I'm glad movie, but, they got to hear about the threesome like hey she's oh. She's into the threesome. It's not because she's into girls, but because she wants to do it for him. The it's way that thing. the way that he tells the story about his mom just absolutely <laughs> losing her mind, trying to find the frantically trying to find the remote, yelling at his dad like, "Find the 
remote, Jerry? Where is it? You know, it's just so freaking so, funny. So it's it's on the nose. It's an on the nose segue where he goes, uh, where where Dorothy says, "Oh, she's probably a classy girl." Yeah. And then it jumps right into that. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And if you don't know what's coming and you're watching it with your three young boys, it could get a little awkward. So, so my biggest surprise going into this was. I, it popped up and it said it was rated R. Yeah, I was just going to make this point. And I was like, how is this movie rated R? And I'm thinking about the movie. He's like, I mean, there's not a lot of F-bombs. It's like, whatever. And all of a sudden, the don't ever stop fucking me scene comes on. I was like, literally, did that scene make this movie rated R? All it takes is just the side of Kelly Freston's boob to make no, a movie I, R rated. That's a powerful There's boob. also a fair number of F-bombs. Yeah, there's, there's, there's enough that that might have done it. I mean, the little kid says fuck. That's true, and that, but I mean, I yeah. think that sex scene combined with her saying, "See, I think, I think that like the the way you use the word fuck in, in a scene really matters, right? And the worst possible way you can do it from a rating standpoint is for a woman to say something about fucking when she's being fucked. Like it's that's a that's auto <laughs> auto R, right? Like it's too graphic. Auto R. I think so, you're so that's worse than than Jonathan Nikki saying. You said fuck. Yeah. I think a four-year-old saying fuck is much more offensive to the public. Than... You've got the little redhead kid at the beginning, the hockey player's son. He says, oh, fuck you. That's right. And he flips there him off. Some so. You know what? I just don't think of this as an R-rated movie. And it's pretty crazy that an R-rated movie got 273 million They bucks. could have adjusted it to a PG-13 pretty damn easily. Yeah. And it I really think, could have. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I don't know if that opens up to more money. I mean, if, the, if we lose that. the side boob, I say no. So you, said, so you said 273 million. So this movie I think was she, a huge hit, right? Yeah. Huge. I think she says something different, and you still get the side boob in a PG-13. I yeah, think, I, I totally agree. I think if she doesn't say that line, and if you take out two or, two or three of the other F-bombs, it's a PG-13 easy. Yeah. I think you lose a little bit of the kind of, you know, award... You know, this was like a this was like an Oscar nominated movie, right? Well, Wasn't yeah, Cuba, Cuba won the best. Uh, exactly. So, like, I think actor. you lose a little bit of that if it's PG thirteen. I think I think you take it more seriously as a as an Oscar voter. So, if, if she says, "Don't ever stop freaking me," then <laughs> Cuba doesn't win the Oscar. Is that what you're saying I mean, right now? I think I literally. I think, so. think, I think. I mean, the change would simply, literally, just be her saying, "Don't ever stop." Don't, you know what I mean? Like, you could literally just take the word out, and it would be, I think, a PG-13 movie. I think she should say effing. Yeah, that would be. No. <laughs> Don't <laughs> ever <laughs> stop effing me. That'd be wonderful. Super religious. Oh, man. Um, so we've got a movie here that, like I said, it, it was a very crossover as far as it's not a traditional romantic comedy. You've got the whole football sports agent aspect of it. And do we want to bring Cameron Crowe in here to, to have some discussions. Wait, did we literally just blow past I don't think so. Reactions? I don't think we're there yet. For the love of God, Brad. How far, are you tired? I have reactions. So, I've let's... I, here, here's, my, here's my question to you guys. Here's my question to you guys. I know you've all seen it. We already, we'd already yeah. discussed it. We already seen it. Is this a movie that you watch like, oh, it's on. I can't wait to watch it. Or is it something like you saw once and you're like, yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. We got to through Zach's porn, like, plane porn and then we didn't talk about where anyone else watched the movie. Yeah, how'd you watch the movie, Scott Back? HBO Max. Okay. But did you but did you do it in the cantina on the big screen? In, in the house on the Just in my house. I mentioned I tried to have my kids watch it and they uh, uh one left after 20 minutes and one left after an hour. Okay. Oh, an hour in and he and he was able to walk away. Yeah, he was oh, just like surprising. Yeah. So Okay, so real quick. Wait, Nate. <laughs> so so I I 
as in the rarest of possible events, I watched this movie in one, one piece no on way. a regular TV. And interestingly enough, I found that like I, it's, I, I've known my wife a long time, and I know a lot about her, and I did not know that she was like such a Jerry Maguire fanatic. Really? But interestingly, she loves the movie and has seen it a lot of times. Like she knew all the quotes, but has real problems with it. So like, I've got a lot of like, problems. Like, and I and I think. Like she really likes it, so they don't undermine her liking the movie. But but I legitimately by the end of like the movie where she had a lot of very interesting commentary, I was like, why am I going out to do this pod? Like, can I just put the kids to bed and go to sleep, and you can just fill she in? could come out here? Oh, she'd be way better than me. Well, Absolutely, that's, no, that's, that's, I that's, think true. that's true. That's true. I think we all agree with that. <laughs> I, I have an interesting question for you guys, and this is related to uh, an old podcast we did. Top Gun not too long ago, and our draft for that was the most memorable Tom Cruise characters. Off the top of your heads, what pick do you think Jerry Maguire went for Tom Cruise characters in that draft? Third round, in that I think draft. Second, no, I, just give me a, give me a number pick, like second overall, twelve. I'd yeah, I'd say he probably went seventh. Scotch Beck wins the uh, the closest to it was the sixth overall pick. Really behind Maverick, Ethan Hunt, Cage from Edge of Tomorrow. David Ames from Vanilla Sky and Lieutenant Daniel Caffey from A Few Good Men. That was a terrible draft. Like this, <laughs> this is that's an insane uh, set of picks. I mean, I, I, the only one that really should be ahead of that is, is Caffey. I think. I mean, Ca- Caffey and Maverick. So it okay. should have been third. So you're saying, but uh, and we're talking memorable, not yeah. not best. Yeah, most memorable, memorable Tom Cruise memorable. roles. Fair I mean, enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like Jerry Maguire, thinking back on it now and after watching this movie, I feel like it should be a, a first-round pick. So I think we're stepping on the lead here, and that is that like the whole movie, all I could think is that Jerry Maguire is a colossal piece of shit. Like, my God. Yeah. The way that he fucking manipulates Renee Zellweger's character like the entire way through the movie and fucking asks her to marry him and knows that she's going to say yes. The way he she tells him, no, I don't want to have sex with you. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to stand on your porch and kiss your neck and tell you fucking. He dude, seduces the fuck This out shit is problematic. Wait, wait. Does she say. And she I'm not did... even trying to be woke. I'm just like. Does, Jesus, does, dude. does she say she doesn't want to have sex on the moment when they're staying on the porch? No. I think she, they, she literally like, no, I don't think we should do this. And he's like, okay. And then he just continues to like kiss her clavicle and shit. Yeah. Uh, it's not romantic. It's like squirmy, bro. It made me feel weird. <laughs> squirmy locust. So this, yeah. is, this, this, is, this was almost exactly <laughs> my wife's take, which is she just was really like Jerry Maguire is terrible. Yeah. Like he, he's terrible to everyone and he's in it for himself and only does good things for other people when it when it's like co- he's aligned. With and he them. feels really bad for himself when shit goes really bad, when yeah. he's been like it's a rough. terrible it's piece a of shit. Of rough. He's a little bit of a tough hang. So I want to rewind just a little bit because like when we talked about it, we were, a few weeks ago we were hanging out at the cantina. We we're, we're like talking about the next movies we're going to do. We're kind of throwing out, hey, you know, I'd like to do this one. I'd like to do this one. And Brad threw out Jerry Maguire. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I love that movie. I've seen it dozens, of, like literally dozens of times. Like maybe not start from finish, but like when it's on, it's always on. I loved it. When it came out, I loved it. <clears throat> and so I was excited. Sweet. Next week, we're doing Jerry Maguire. All right. So I queue it up and I'm watching it. And I watched it in a completely different way. Yeah. Like I just, I, I think I watched it objectively and it was a fucking different watch. I really didn't like. As I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, Tom Cruise! He got the girl. He won. He beat Bob Sugar. Fuck that guy." But this time, 
to me, the hero was Tidwell. Like, like I oh, like yeah. I a thousand I percent. I love that character. I loved his his romance with his wife was way more organic and real than anything fucking Jerry Maguire did. And it was really weird because at the end of the movie, I just kind of sat there going, "Ugh, I think I've understood this movie wrong this whole time." I mean, I still like the movie. But it's different. I'll even say a, a hair spin on that and say, like, competing for the hero of the movie is Tidwell's wife. She's, but, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in some ways, like, she's a total badass yeah. in the face of, like, being pregnant and, like, being worried about. And things. extremely supportive. And, like, she's got she's got his back the whole time. And so, so, so I but I want to I want to I want to I want to, like, try to parse something here that I think is important. I 100% agree with the take that Jerry Maguire is kind of like, if you, the more you look at him, the more you're kind of like, both time goes by and if you just sort of look at it in a different way, you're like, yeah, he's not a great dude and maybe he's not really the hero of this. He's an agent. He I lies. don't think that makes it not an enjoyable movie right. and I don't think that that makes it not a good movie. No, it was, and, I liked yeah. it. So, so in some ways, right, like I watched it a little bit differently probably this time too and I actually think that if you the charitable interpretation of this movie for, for Cameron Crowe is, I think, that one, which is he intends the complexity of the movie exactly as it unfolds when we see it now. He intends Jerry Maguire to be pretty thin-layered and be like, eh, you're not great. He intends their romance to be pretty fickle and like you don't really buy it even in the end. I think there's a lot of things about the movie that make it still really enjoyable and maybe make it a little less vanilla or a little less simple than most romantic comedies. So and like, I, I know I, the first time I watched it, it was just straight up vanilla fucking just yeah. sign me up. This yeah, is great. You had me at hello. You complete yeah. me. And I'm like, fuck you. Oh, Jerry <laughs> went. That's, that was my first experience with this. I walked out of the theater going, Oh my God, that was great. I love Jerry Maguire. The the scene that gets to me that that I I had so many just questions about is what makes him change at the end? Is it he's just like oh now I'm financially stable? Is that all that it is that that Rod catches the touchdown on Monday Night Football and he's just like now I think I really want to be married to this woman? Like <laughs> exactly what my about point. that? Yes. What about that event? Like makes him like change his mind about how he feels about a woman? So that's where the problems come in. Is that like. The only reason, the only, literally the only reason that he decides to do anything with Renee Zellweger is because he loses everyone else. There's no one else. It, it, and they it, even make the point in the movie to say, Jerry can't be alone. Yep. Jerry can't be by himself. He says, it, like, oh, I just came over here because, you know, I can't be alone. He, like, he says it to her, like, first thing when he, he walks in the door. When he's yeah. himself. Well, he's <laughs> just like, you're the only one that'll talk to me, and I guess you have a <laughs> vagina, so I guess I'm going to try and fuck you. Like, that's literally how it goes. And she's, like, so desperate for love and has been like crushing on him and he knows that she's been crushing on him and he's like oh i'm just gonna take advantage of this bitch maybe we'll you know what i mean it's terrible he so, hears her saying like the most intimate things about him while he's just like hiding out in the hallway and like he's like oh yeah he is in love he with knows me. there's no missing he, he's not gonna come up to the plate and fucking miss the curveball he knows it's a fucking slow change up right down the middle he hears the fucking drums in the outfield from the fucking astros fans he knows what's coming Oh. And he knows he's going to hit it. Astros might be world champions uh, at this point. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. Um, so, so again, like back to the, you know, if I'm giving the really charitable interpretation, right? Like I think that this is the, this is the rope-a-dope that Cameron Crowe is giving you, which is in the end, right? One version of it, one way to look at it is he, 
you know, Jared, he figures out, I mean, you're, they're setting you up to think that like he has an intimacy problem and that all of a sudden he realizes, you know, like in order to really not be alone, I need to be able to like get over this sort of intimacy issue. And so somehow he realizes like I've, you know, he has this great moment. He wants to share it with someone and the only way he can share it is to like let down the guard. Right. This is the whole secret garden thing, which I have a fucking whole story about later. But um, but I think then like the rope dope here is now nah, like he really just was alone. he just really was the same guy he always was. He didn't want to be alone. He realized all of a sudden he was alone in this really important moment. So he's like, yeah, I still don't want to be alone. I'm going to go be with her and like yeah. just come to terms with the fact well, that it's it's like we've talked about numerous times with other movies. Like, uh, what was the movie where we decided that they're going to break up like five? Oh, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, like yeah. it's like uh, yeah, this we movie. decided that. Zach. Like, how long are they? How long are they married? I think I think this needs to become a, a bit because it's it's the 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 official Zach. How long will they stay together? After <laughs> he this gets movie? the yeah. minute he gets it's another client. The minute he gets another client and meets like a Dolphins cheerleader, like he's he's done. He's gone. <laughs> You know what I mean? But I, it's not only that I like it how that Zach has a timeline, but also a specific way in which this collapse. <laughs> Just saying, dude. He is not married to that woman because he loves that woman. He's married to that woman because she's there. Oh, I, I, yeah. I think that's a great take on yeah. this, and and why? Like I, you know, I'm a fan of the complexity of these sorts of things and some of the heartbreak of the romance. So I, I like this a lot. I guess my other issue too. Before we before we talk to the director, my other issue is is that we're supposed to believe that Jerry Maguire is this great director. This is a long movie. He's right, not a right? great director. Or he's a not. great. I'm sorry. A great, sports agent. <laughs> same thing with camera crew. We're supposed to believe he's a great director. Uh, we're supposed to believe that Jerry Maguire is this great this great agent, but they don't establish that at any point. Like there's no like montage of him being a great agent or there's no like do you know what i'm saying he he has that moment where he's like i will fucking die for you i'll do this and this and like i mean he's like and 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 uh, he's, like, I, he's like i won't sleep until i see you on the billboard holding the drink right. that you made that da, 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 da. and like he has that whole like little rant where it's like that's the kind of shit he can say he's doing the same thing as bob sugar but once he gets his little oh i i, I i'm i'm in my emotions now or when they're hauling off that the one guy and, and like like how old was she 16 and he's like there's nothing here yeah other than the fact that he's a tremendous athlete like he's totally they, they show him a yeah. little bit okay. in his element. Him doing I, his, and i think yeah. the bob sugar scenes are supposed to be like i mean kind of the way he used to be like right oh gosh gotcha. well, because he learned everything from him but right? here's right. another here's another issue i have with jerry jerry as a character is because like he writes this memo and or, or mission statement sorry and he <laughs> He's like, he does this whole thing, you know, smaller, you know, less clients, less money. And then as soon as he gets fired, he's like, well, now I want all of it. He goes right back to the way he was. I need he, all of my clients like, and all you, yours. all yours. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> has this guy changed? Is he a good dude? No, he's right back to the douchebag he always, douchebag he always was. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well. Cameron Crowe is going to join us. I like how Brad just goes, okay, guys, you shit on the movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I, and I, I like the I movie. Don't that, this I don't is, think that's shitting on the movie at this all. This is not what I'm jumping to. Uh, I'm not jumping on the grenade here because this is a movie that I was like, huh, it was enjoyable, but I'm not sure how I feel about it anymore. But let's go ahead and bring Cameron Crowe. It, yeah. Let's bring Cameron. Cam What's his name again? Cameron. <laughs> We gonna ask him about Almost Famous? <laughs> Let's bring Cameron Crowe in to talk about uh, this movie. Pull up a chair and grab yourself a drink. Hypothesize what directors think. Maybe sometimes get a guess. Makes us look good. Let's drink 
The volume was so loud that time that it was the first time I heard <laughs> the very beginning. Someone goes, "Dude, I just saw bro, Tom Cruise Maverick." It's like the <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, you can hear it like super clearly. <laughs> that might have been me. Uh, all right, so folks, we are brought to you by Last Call Brewing. So before we start talking to Cameron Crow, we need to—I can't say that name. <laughs> Struggling here. Cam Cameron Crow. Cam Cameron Crow. Cameron Crow. <laughs> Cameron Crow is a better whacker. Cameron Crow's head weighs eight pounds. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and talk about what we're drinking. Zach, what, what do you got in your glass tonight? I am drinking the uh, the honeybee from Blaker Brewing that Nate has on tap here. It's absolutely delicious, and uh, I like it because it doesn't have very much alcohol in it. <laughs> Blaker Brewing series uh, and Atwater, California. Great place. Yes, sir. Nate, what you got? I'm back to my my OG. I've got uh, some Maker's Mark with uh, some fancy grenadine that Zach and family bought for me for my birthday. Plus, uh, you know, it's a little Diet Pepsi in there. Delicious. I see it. I see it. Scotchy. I started with a little bit of Whistle Pig piggyback um, because it's whiskey drinking weather. And it's getting a little chilly out here in old uh, Central California. Um, and then I switched to uh, Mr. Karate, as you like to call it. Hey. Um, karate in the garage, uh, last call. So I'm kind of, I'm switching around, I'm drinking all kinds of shit. Yeah. Watch out for those roundhouses. Um, and I am drinking, uh, from our friends at last call. They did a collaboration with, uh, the folks at around the horn brewing up in Groveland. If you're on your way to Yosemite and you're driving through Groveland, if you're coming from the Bay area, you're going to go right through Groveland. Um, around the horn, great little brewery. Uh, they've got some awesome beers, and they made a Saison with a uh, last call called the Boys of Saison. It has got that nice little, like, extra little flavor that you're going to get out of that Saison. little almost like Belgian taste to it. It's pretty damn good. Go ahead and check them out. They've got all sorts of great beers. Everybody I've talked to is like, if you happen to go up to Groveland, hit up around the horn because they're making killer brews up there. I love to taste some Belge when I'm drinking. A little Belge. Just drink Not, a little nothing Belge. bad there. All right, so uh, our friend Cameron Crowe has stopped in, and we have already covered one of his movies, and I know Zach wants us to cover a, a different one as well. Uh, that would be Almost Famous that we've covered not too long ago, and uh, Vanilla Sky is one of Zach's favorite movies of all time. We still haven't done his best movie. Another T. Crow, or, I mean, T. Cruz and uh, C. Crow. Yeah, and I, I love... E. Blunt. <laughs> Say, Say Anything is a classic, of course, and... Uh, some people who have seen some of his more recent stuff have said, you know what, it's kind of fallen off a little bit. But we're talking about Jerry Maguire with Mr. Cameron Crowe. So what you all got to say to this dude? So I I, I don't know if I want to say this to him, but I, I guess I do want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I love Cameron Crowe. I love, I, love, I love like half of his movies or maybe a third. And this is the point, I guess, is I, I, maybe I would I want to ask him about some choices, which is, Wait, did you just say you love half, maybe a third? Yeah. <laughs> Which a third would be less than half? Yeah, okay. maybe a third, like okay. maybe less than half. <laughs> right. And, 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 I'm, and I guess right. what, I'm, what I'm getting at is like we've talked a little bit on this pod about directors that are like batting average directors and yeah. directors that are sort of like power hitters. Crow's a power hitter and yeah. not an average guy. And like I think of this with like Scorsese's a little this way too, right? Like makes a lot of movies. Some are real dog shit. And 
Cameron Crowe. I mean, Cameron Crowe, like, I mean. I'd put Spielberg in that as well. I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spielberg's a great example. On the opposite side, like, Tarantino is, like, maybe the best example of the sort of, like, all he's he's the Tony Gwynn of movie making, right? Like, he makes, he just base hits. I mean, and more than that, right? Some like really great movies, but like he really is selective and does it slowly. He's never going to have you know a, a profile of forty movies that he directed. So, I guess I wonder. You know, I'm curious about the choice about you know how do you choose to make movies and how what's the process look like and is it you know do you know it's different when you're going to make one that's like a killer versus one that's kind of a flop, right? And I mean, and this is you know almost famous is easily in my top ten. Right. Jerry Maguire, I, I like a lot, but like almost famous for me is truly upper echelon. Agreed. Aloha is one of the least favorite movies I've watched in the last 10 years. And, I, and I never saw it. It's garbage. Like it's, it's garbage and it's made into flaming garbage by the fact that it's wasted such a great cast. And these are both Cameron Crowe. And so for me, I'm like, I, you know, how, how does that happen? And like, how, how do you make those choices that like, on the one hand works so well and on the other don't this is like one of the problems with genius right is like you know i like one of my favorite bands of all time is weezer they wrote two of the best albums that have ever been written ever in my opinion and then they've written eight albums that are absolute hot garbage complete (laughs) bullshit And I can't even listen to it. So, first of all, anybody listening who loves Weezer, they're going to think, oh, yeah, the Blue Album is, is one of my favorites. And, and like the green one, the Island in the Sun. Like You're amazing. high right now. Pinkerton's... And, uh, I'm, I'm saying okay. most people. Okay. And and I was going to say, and Zach's going to say, well, first of all, Pinkerton's the best album they ever Thank made. <laughs> because I have a buddy of mine, Josh. I'm glad you said that. Josh in Colorado, who's on your team and he's gonna say that's the best album ever but it's like but it's like it's tough to maintain that level of excellence right like almost nobody does it like the beatles fucking maintain like a level of excellence across all all their albums and and put out a pile of it like i mean they're also prolific so that's the difference you're right when you talk about batting average and slugging percentage right yeah Yeah. who can do both right like and there just are so few that are that that are that good and that almost nobody almost nobody so and it is interesting because like he went jerry Maguire, almost famous vanilla sky which honestly i haven't seen i saw the original version and I still haven't watched Vanilla Sky, his version. And then Elizabeth Town, I never saw. Which was okay, but pretty, I think, widely thought to be right. pretty bad. We Bought a Zoo. Awful. Which I think is a better romantic comedy than this movie. <laughs> um, and then Aloha, which I never saw. And then he hasn't done anything since, which that was like, that was probably about five years ago. Aloha might might have killed his career. It was that bad. So he hasn't done anything since Aloha. But but like but just to go backwards, right? I mean, he does Fast Times. Well, he wrote it. Wrote writes Fast yeah. Times. Yeah, yeah. He wrote, and so Say Anything was his first directing. Right, which is right. Say Anything's amazing. Then Singles, which is a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but a phenomenal movie as well. So he comes out and he has a couple great films, and then Jerry Maguire is his third one. He's had he's just knocking it out of the park each time. But then he just goes off a fucking cliff. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there's, I think maybe it's just that like certain things that he does. So this was one of the other points I wanted to get to is what I think part of what's really great about what Cameron Crowe does is that he's not in, he doesn't seem to be writing. And I'm curious again about this is he's not really writing or directing from the standpoint of what he thinks other people want to see in a movie. 
he's kind of like drawing, I feel like he's drawing a little bit on like what he thinks, what, what his own experiences are and what he thinks is cool about them and piecing them together. So like, you know, we all, we know, we know that from almost famous, but let me give an example from this movie that really resonated. It all is like motivated in the beginning by this like fever, uh, you know, kind of, you know, this, this, this awakening that Tom Cruise has in the middle of the night. And it turns out to be this terrible or maybe great, but maybe terrible idea. All my best and worst ideas have come in the very middle of the night. I mean, this was like a super relatable thing to me. And I was like, how has this never been done quite this way in movies? Cause like th- for me, that was a really resonant experience. Like I'll bet ever, have you all sat up at some point in the night and been like, I'm turning on this thing or like I have this idea or I'm trying to solve this problem and you come up with this fucking grand plan and like once in a while it's good and half and most of the time you wake up in the morning you're like dude I should not do that. I think that's that's like such a romantic idea and the answer you no I don't. I'm kind of a piece of shit in the morning when I wake up. I I have no idea what's going on. But uh, I like that idea. I like the idea of like oh my god this came to me in this moment of you know, I was asleep and I had this but, dream and now I fucking have this idea and I'm like, better write it down now or else I'm going to lose but it. Like, you know what I mean? But I mean, I've, I, I don't, I'm not asleep. Like I'm like him. Like I'm, I all of a sudden wake up, you know, this is maybe once every six months I wake up wired about something really? and I like craft out this whole like idea. And like most of the time I'm like, I need a fucking cooling off period because it, in the light of day, it sounds horrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I mean, in the, in the sense of like, where did Cameron Crowe get this idea? I guess James L. Brooks had a picture of, I believe it was the agent Lee Steinberg with some athlete, and they were kind of like just joking, like, how would you make a movie about this? And uh, that's where he kind of got the the inspiration from. And uh, he had talked about getting the great uh, screenwriter Billy Wilder to uh, to be a part of the movie. And I guess he had concerns of like, how are you going to make this guy likable? How are you going to make a sports agent likable? And... Um, for better or worse, you could say he he either failed or he he didn't really accomplish like making him super likable. I mean, it's he's he's interesting, but is he likable? Well, it's it's weird because honestly, when I first watched this movie, I I fucking was Team McGuire. I was all about it, and it's just weird that over time it's changed. I'm not sure why it changed. I don't know. Is it is it me because I'm you know like I don't fucking believe in true love anymore or something or like what the fuck i don't I, know I, I think there's the the big part of it is i was younger when i watched this the first time I, I don't know no i think it's different i think it's the fact that we know tom cruise to be kind of a crazy person and he does a lot of tom cruise crazy person that's a f- in that, this movie yeah that's something i think which was that, before tom cruise became the crazy person right in the public eye. right so now that we kind of know him in the public eye as being this kind of just uh, semi nut job he comes across very right. nut job a lot of moments in this movie. Right. God, I didn't think about that. Now that we know he's a fucking nutter, right? When you see him, <laughs> you don't you don't think of oh man, I didn't think about that. But but I, I mean I think I mean maybe another spin on this is like how do you end up unknowingly rooting for and finding likable a real true villain in a lot of things, right? Like think about you know there are lots of movies where you know you you find yourself unrealized, you know, unknowingly rooting for somebody that if you step back from it, you're like, man, I mean, I do. Is it because the n- movie's named Jerry Maguire and he's the main character? I, I th- like I, you're supposed to no, root for him? I, I, think, I think it's because like it's complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, there's no one, you know, there are parts of it that make him likable and, you know, he has moments of likability. He has moments of being sure. charming and, and maybe more than anything, right? He has some moments of like self-reflection of his like flaws. Right. I mean, he, he knows some of this and, 
and and it's not like he's completely oblivious to it, and that makes him a little bit at least relatable, if not if not likable. So I, I think some of it is because he is likable, but he but he but he's also problematic in terms of like you know there's lots of things he does that we don't like because he, you do root for him because he did come up with a, a cool concept. It's like literally let's stop being greedy assholes. Let's have less clients, less money, and then it backfires. He gets fired. And then here he is, is like he's got one chance. He's got the he's got Cushman. He's got his big client that he could sign, and then he loses him the night before the draft, based on literally a handshake deal. And so you, you so so they kind of they kind of pull you in with this like oh you feel horrible for him because he lost this amazing that was going to be his his meal ticket with this one client, and so I think. Thinking about it now, it's like, oh shit, that's why you're rooting for him because he got screwed over by literally. And it was kind of weird because there was kind of this racist thing with um, Bo, so, Bo Bridges. So, there. so this is what I was like. Say. You're in the lobby with the black fella. So it's I, like, was that racist or like oh, what's and, going and on? He like oh. he he makes this face right after he says it too. Like, oh yeah. no, it, it, I I was gonna say, you know what? You know what holds up the very best? What what like ages the very best in this movie? The way racism works, the casual casual <laughs> racism. Yeah, of yeah I was like, oh, that. 100%. I was like, yep, that yeah. that sounds that looks exactly about right. Like that's exactly the way that shit would unfold in the like grossest possible way. So I can totally see why I was rooting for him the first time I watched this, and kind of why now I'm I'm watching it on a completely. Different, I know the whole story. I know what happened. So now I'm kind of nitpicking all the actual real shit that's going on with Jerry Maguire. So I see why that kind of changed. But you can totally see why you're rooting for this guy the first time around. There's an article I found, speaking of just kind of Jerry Maguire as, as a person. It's it's called The Towering Narcissism of Jerry Maguire. It was a New Yorker article. And it kind of speaks to the movie a little bit, but it also speaks to just kind of media always looking for like a, an article to make. So I guess uh, a few years ago, Cameron Crowe released the actual 25-page document. He actually typed out the, the memo, the whole mission statement, re- actually wrote it all out, Cameron Crowe did. And then he released it as part of like the 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 twenty year special edition, and this guy for the New Yorker read the entire twenty five page and then says like, "Oh, Jerry Maguire is a complete narcissist." I'm like, "But <laughs> does that does that count?" The narcissist of all narcissists, right? But but I'm saying that this twenty five page a, document actually yeah. like it's 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 not actually part of the the lexicon of the movie. Does it? Whatever Cameron Crowe wrote, does that actually reflect on Jerry Maguire? But Jerry Maguire does a good job of being a narcissist, I think, on his own. Agreed. In the movie. You don't need to quote the uh, the 25-page document. But Jerry also, Jerry Maguire also proves time and time again that he only gives a shit about you if you can do something for him. He only cares about the Renee Zellweger character when she's the only one around and the only one that he can have sex with. He only cares about Rod Tidwell yeah. when Rod Tidwell's the only one that happens to stick with him. It's the last goddamn scene in the movie. He's like, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, your boy's got a good arm. We can exploit that, right? Uh, like, okay. I mean, it's maybe oh, tongue you're in you're stepping cheek. all over my body bag right now. <laughs> okay, <but laughs> okay, on the first point, let me push back for a second. Like, Dorothy's the only one that we see, but he's a good-looking sports agent right so like i mean there, there's a little bit of a like you know we're presented as though she's like the only person he can hang with but he's like, looking for dude. somebody to to he's looking for somebody to take care of him he's not looking he's not i mean i okay. say that he's looking for somebody to have sex with but i think he's I looking mean, for more of a mom figure than he's looking for I, a uh, a sexual partner it just happens to be that she's yeah. okay looking enough that he wants to have sex with her I, I, I guess so. I, 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 I'm, I'm less convinced by that, that in the sense that what I think is more, I mean, 
maybe not taken care of. I think what he's drawn to in some ways is like he 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 likes the idea of like of a family maybe and of of a unit, right? He likes the kid. And so in some ways maybe that's the greater crime is that he's kind of, you know, to me it's less about Dorothy, which, you know, you can make plenty of arguments about why that's not great. But, you know, he's pretty careless with the fact that this kid's around and like he's kind of I don't know, a little haphazard about that. It's one of those, like, you don't introduce your kid to your boyfriend on the first date. Oh, well, well, Dorothy has all kinds of problems. I mean, (laughs) but but, but since we have Cameron Crowe, I want to point out two things that, like, you know, surround his genius that are on display here. One is he somehow manages to, like, find, recruit, retain, mold the best possible talent in a lot of cases. I mean, think about who you know the people in this movie. Forget you know, obviously Tom Cruise, and we said he was what this. This was the seventh most memorable role. I would say, yeah, we said third. six. But like Tom Cruise is maybe the the ultimate movie star. So he, he gets him. That's obviously you know that's a no brainer at that point. But Renee Zellweger is relatively early in her career at this point. This and, was a big coming out for her, and she kills. I mean, she's, she's really incredible good. in this. Her sister, um, who's, Bonnie Hunt, who's played Bonnie by Bonnie Hunt, Hunt, is great. I would say so. I was going through like, is this the per- the the actors or actors actors best role? Bonnie Hunt, I say yes. I Kelly. She Preston, does a lot in a little bit. Like, Kelly Preston, I say yes. Uh, Marnie and twins, but okay. Cuba Gooding Jr. I think it's hard to argue that it's not. I mean, maybe this, Boys in the Hood, maybe yeah, maybe Boys in the Hood, but otherwise, no way that this isn't his best. Um. He, I mean, he won the Oscar for this. So Fucking Jay Moore. Jay Moore. Jay Moore. I mean, just, it's basically Jay Moore's coming out, and Jay Moore it. is just a killer in this. Yeah. So it's like you look through, and you're like, these are all people. That, Regina King, who's great, actually, and maybe the one that has the, you know, other than Tom Cruise, the the best portfolio of things to compete with this for her. She's great in this. Glenn Fry. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, coming out of left field as the, the, the football coach. And Jerry Cantrell is the uh, mm. the Kinko's operator. Yeah. <laughs> Just put your balls out there, man. Allison Chains. What That's the hell? how you do it. Yeah. Just hang your balls out. I do there. love how, how Cameron Crowe definitely brings in all his rock star background. He's like, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, Glenn Frank, what have been this movie? So, so, so that's one and two, like the soundtrack. We, I mean, we've gotten this far into it oh, and yeah. haven't talked about the soundtrack. I mean, Cameron Crowe's soundtracks are legendarily good maybe you know maybe not the maybe he's not the very best at this but he's in the top you know upper echelon of directors that do soundtracks and this one you know there's some i mean the the prevalence of the secret garden song which fits really well with i think the theme of the movie which i'll talk about in a bit and also the like free fallen as this like sing along in the car is great that's so funny the closing song great by scene. that's the funniest yeah. part of the movie i think <laughs> Se- secret Garden. it all triumphantly but it's like obviously shit's falling apart it's fucking great i was thinking about this earlier and, I, and there's probably movies that'll contradict myself but it's like i'm not a big fan of like the oh you use the secret garden early and then you bring it back for like the verse about her like a little bit later like I'm not a big fan of like bringing back the same song like multiple times. Like, to oh, I think it makes it more impactful, just like uh, Muse in High Tension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely! If you haven't listened to the High Tension pod, please go back. It's goddamn entertaining. <laughs> well, well re- real quick on our BBK uh, uh, his- history, we kind of started with a, a little bit of a uh, homage to the rewatchables. That's kind of where we got our start. And that's Bill Simmons podcast on the ringer network. And I got to say when Bill Simmons talks about this movie, and I think he did it first in an article where he tried to break down the fact that Jerry Maguire goes to Monday night football, which always starts at five thirty PM. 
five thirty Pacific time. He's in Tempe, Arizona. The game's gonna get over about eight thirty nine probably. Um, he goes to the locker room to wait for him, like to get out of the locker room and all this stuff. He's hanging out a bunch with them afterwards, talking to them. And then he finally decides to go back home to LA. He goes to the airport, runs to the airport because mm-hmm. he realizes he, he loves his wife. Right. He sprints to the airport. <laughs> he gets remembered. on a plane and he flies. So I don't know if we're thinking he left the stadium at 930. He gets on the plane 10 o'clock. Maybe ten thirty. Maybe he flies private. Maybe he has a plane waiting. I don't know. He's, he goes to the, the the regular airport. He doesn't go to like to the little maybe. back gate or anything. Fair and enough. so he gets back to L.A. L.A. traffic. He takes a cab from wherever whatever airport he lands at to get to her house. Mm-hmm. All those women are still just hanging out, having a great time. It's probably twelve thirty by that time. Maybe one o'clock in the morning, and they're just all acting like oh, they got old ladies here and stuff. Everybody's just having a good conversation. Is this is this really? The ladies that I know, you give them a glass of wine and some good gossip, and they will fucking sit there and talk until <laughs> two in the morning. So I think I'm into that. Right I think on. that's yeah, pretty realistic. I think there's nothing so, wrong yeah, with Simmons, this whole Simmons broke it down trying to figure out how many hours, and, and I always <laughs> loved the fact that he really got that deep into it. And uh, I'd love to see what Cameron Crow feels about about breaking that that time jump down from leaving the stadium to get back to L.A. Hey, Cam, next time we see you, we're going to be talking about Vanilla Sky, big dog. So thanks for coming down. <laughs> oh, I've, I've got a couple more questions for him oh, real quick. Fucking good, hang around. I'm, I'm very <laughs> upset. There are so many big hits on Rob on Rod Tidwell in this movie. And then they decide to go with the little front flip at the end. I know. I, I had not noticed that until this time. And I was like, that's barely a hit. Yeah. He basically just does a little flip and like kind of lands on his back. And there's like some of the earlier hits are so much more aggressive. Brutal. Why didn't they have him catch and then all of a sudden just get like just drilled? Like they, it's like and it's yeah. like they kind of like push him so it, like he kind of just flips perfectly. Well, yeah, and something like, like a to going into the end zone type of hit. It, 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 oh, dude! It looks Green like Bay it's a, a neck injury, but but why would you be unconscious with a neck injury? So I, I I never even thought about it till literally right now. It's like oh, you mean the worst doctors ever? They're just like yeah. Oh, well, he's they, been unconscious for a minute and, and he might have neck injuries. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> they're smacking their hands. Like, is that really a, a, a like a, a that, that, thing you do? Like, you, you just, wake up, that's, wake up. That's yeah. standard protocol, I think. For and where's then, the smelling salts? Yeah, no smelling salts. And then after a minute of being unconscious, he's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna get up and start dancing around. They're just like, start oh, yeah, dancing. That's fine. And, yeah. So, so two things about that part. So one, I, I I wanted to know who he's based on. Like, who who's the if Cameron Crowe was like, okay, we want to kind of make Rod Tidwell a, a mix of... It's two Ategla I started thinking about this because I, I, I was trying to think, like, nobody knows who he is, but yet, like, he set the Arizona Cardinals, like, record for reception. 110 receptions is no joke. Like, if you get 110 receptions... Well, I don't think no one knows who he is. He's just not, like... He, he's as good as, but not getting paid like the very top three or four guys. But even in like the the coach Glenn Fry is like, oh, I want the prototypical receiver. It's like, no, he just put in twelve hundred yards and one hundred ten catches for you. Obviously, he's doing just fine at whatever his size. But is. he's also sort of a possession receiver. He's not like a speedy guy. No, he's, he's not. He's a slot dude. Yeah, he says I, I go across so, the so, middle, so who, get killed. Yeah. So, I get killed. So who's who's the slot now? Like who who would you say he's the closest to in today's game? Well, I mean, he's making a lot of catches. He's doing that. I mean, he's probably like you could say he's Michael Thomas, and then he's never going to have another good season after this one. Yeah, Michael he's Thomas is get paid, a bad. A bad he's going to get paid and never get never do it again. Randall Cobb from a few years ago, maybe. Yeah, I like Randall Cobb. Smaller slot dudes that 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, and obviously he is a very small person in real life. So that they were, he was even undersized for an undersized receiver. But it maybe works Debo, out. Maybe Debo. Maybe if we throw Debo in the slot and uh, just have him get destroyed a bunch. <laughs> and, and that's the other thing I was going to say is like it's funny because I think if you were somebody who who was not like a football, you know, if you were a young person now, you're watching this when you're 20 right now, you might watch it and be like, man, they really like exaggerated the violence of the game back then. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, or, and I was like, that's not as funny. They definitely exaggerated the pads because they're wearing those old like like He's, he looks huge in those pads. <laughs> early nineteen nineties pads where everybody's but, like the linemen especially have these gigantic shoulder pads that are just like ridiculous. But I'm saying the hits were like that and were I mean like you, you kind of yeah. you're reminded like just how brutal you know yeah like they're where's the flags why yeah, why the, why are the refs no, yeah they just <laughs> that's exactly the way it was and worse. Well, I mean that goes back to ESPN even in the early two thousands they were still doing the the segment jacked up you got jacked up and they're just showing dudes getting concussions left and right you got jacked up it was awesome back when well they showed that they showed that in the movie concussion in a completely different way where they're basically saying how they're glorifying the jacked up and it's like because you know have you guys seen concussion oh yeah with will smith yeah it's pretty brutal, man. But they're, he's like basically they're showing it as a, a complete negative. Like, so look how they're glorifying these guys just getting lit the fuck. Oh yeah, up. no, no. I'm I'm saying, yeah. of course, back then it was like you got fired up, like oh, it's time oh, for yeah. jacked up, and you're excited. I couldn't about wait it. for jacked up. Now I it's like, it. now oh, it's like shit, man. We were watching it. guys' brains get demolished. Exactly. And, yeah. But um, final thing, and I forgot about this line in the movie. I would love to ask Cameron Crow. If this was an intentional joke, if this was just like a dare, a bet, or something, and I could not believe I forgot that it was in this movie. At the very end, he's on Roy Firestone's uh, Roy Firestone's show, and he starts talking about his emotional background. And his older brother lost his leg in a tragic <laughs> bass fishing I accident. This. I have this note. I'm just like, what the f- what? Wait, tragic bass fishing accident? I, what the fuck happened? You're not gonna on make this me trip? cry, Roy. And I loved that, that, like that he just that's so out of nowhere, dude. It's such a farce. And and Firestone says it with such like like seriousness. Totally I was serious. like, was this a joke line that got through somehow? And they just said, oh, it's funny. Who cares? I love the idea that like he got tangled in a line, then just a nine pounder came out of the water and just smashed some lure and took his leg off. Or just yes. like, did he fall in and like the boat somehow chopped his leg off or something? <laughs> with the like, amount of bass fishing that you do need i'm surprised you have both feet i i I, i'm i'm heavily hobbled by uh, by large fish i know nate and i we we do fish and i was just like i was trying to think like what what circumstances would have to happen where you're like losing your leg and like your boat tips over you're in like a freezing lake and like you can't get back to shore i don't know well it's a pretty self-serious movie and that's a silly ass line (laughs) i mean it's like borderline like like spinal tap like yes exactly it's very spinal tap in a bizarre gardening accident (laughs) oh yeah i i started legit laughing out loud at the end because i was like i forgot that that line was in here and i always forgot how ridiculous it is and like it just does not seem it fits with the entire movie so all right cameron crow we will see you again someday soon, I'm sure. Peace out, bro. We'll see you when we do Who Bought a Zoo. Bring some whiskey and beer next time. <laughs> Who Bought we'll a Zoo? <laughs> we Bought a Zoo. It was Matt Damon. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Is it a one-night stand? Do you hit it with a shovel or take it home to mom and dad? It's like fuck, marry, or kill. It's Shag Snack Body Bag. Ooh, the alternate verse for that could have been like, do you something about killing somebody with a concussion or like uh, some sort of head injury from football? Oh, man. There's really guys you go back to, and that's not great. (laughs) Oh, Junior Seau. Oh, dude. Wow. Way to take it dark. Jesus Christ. Zach led me there. He held me by the hand, just like he did when we did a horror movie. It's usually what I do. All right, we're shag snagging body bagging. Um, shag, Scotch, what are you shagging from this film? I'm shagging all the cameos. The sports ath- cameos, sports athletes, cameos, cameos, the athletes. And, I mean, even Glenn Fry, and and there's like all these people. And it, it, what's great, what I love about it is like it kind of takes you back to that time. And I was like, like especially at the end with the Cowboys game, like Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman. It's like uh, Switzer is the coach. I was like, oh, shit. Well, they that filmed, was they, that team. Yeah, and they filmed at a, the actual Cowboys-Cardinals game right. oh, really? for that scene. So yeah. it was an actual real football game, and they just did some of the in-between scenes like at halftime and after the game. But even like like the cameos, like Warren Moon being at the bachelor party and, and like <laughs> just like random. It's like it was just kind of cool because you're like sitting going, hey, there's there's that guy. There's that guy. And it was just cool. And I just love it. Katarina Vitt is hanging out. Like, Who, who's signing the big contract where he's like, that's me at the left of the picture. It's oh, that was a uh, uh, Bledsoe. Bledsoe. Drew yeah. Drew, Drew Bledsoe's in it like four different times. Yeah. So, I don't know how he, why he got to hang out in the set so much. Well, you know. All right. Well, Nate, what you got for snags or shags? I'm sorry. Shags. I'm going to shag uh, drunk conversations with little kids. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I loved the the conversation between the two, and I'm not saying I've had this experience specifically, but I'm saying sometimes you get into deeper conversations with little kids than you know, like is normal, and it's really funny. Like occasionally, I've had conversations with you know my little kids, and like you know, gotten sort of serious with them, and they're looking at me like. I don't know what we're talking about right now, but I think it's important. <laughs> <laughs> I do love his, his his delivery on the blurt where he's like, the, the zoo's fucking closed right now. Right. <laughs> it's pretty good. Okay. Pretty good drunk. As as much as I don't think Tom Cruise is a drinker, he plays the drunk pretty well pretty in that scene, I think. Oh, God. That's a perfect point. Like, he's just acting, right? He has no idea what... what He's just like, what would a normal person do that had a drink right now? <laughs> That's pretty much the way. Yeah. I, I think, think he does it. that in all situations of his life. Like, how would a person how, how interact do, right now? How do normal humans behave? Fucking lose rates. Fucking lose close rates. Yeah. Uh, Shag, Zach. So we already we already talked about it. My favorite scene is when he's in the car and he puts the song on and he wants to sing along, but he doesn't quite know the words or it's not quite the right song. He changes it. It's not quite Angel the right song. of the moment. He gets to fucking free falling and he sings along with it so earnestly and singing. <laughs> and like you can kind of see the wheels turning in his head like fucking, oh, I'm so like, yeah, like, but at the same time, like my world's falling apart and I just fucking love that. It's a really... Uh, I don't know if it's symbolic, but it's fucking, I, it's really good. I like it. 
my shag is the uh, chasing the client scene when he has to get back and he's Darcy get me my phone numbers mm -hmm. and he's trying to rush to get his people back and that whole little quick quick pace kind of almost like a montage montage, yeah, montage. for sure and it's just it's a fun scene because it just keeps jumping to Jay Moore and he's delivering these just just badass like I'm a badass sports agent lines and he's like I don't know McGuire is all fucked up or something so hey you gotta stick with me and like he just he's just being such a douche and then Jerry when he has the girl and she's like Jerry and then <laughs> goes over to the other line uh, that's so classic I mean it, that whole little scene is fun it's fast paced and you're just watching his world fall apart and, and then the and Jay Moore's like, why are you crying? Oh, oh, so you're in, huh? <laughs> she's yeah, like you a get to figure see skater other, or something. Yeah, you get to see the other part of the conversation there. And I mean, he's just, he's. And that girl was in Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's she's one, one of the, the cousins. Sis. Yeah, that's right. Or the sister, yeah. All right. So now we're on to Snag. Snag, Nate. It's got to be Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, if I really step back from this movie and ask like what's the the one thing it can't live without it's got to it's him it's not even just his character right it's i don't think it works with very many other actors and i don't think without him in that role it's anywhere near as as widely you know loved as it is i mean and, and tom cruise is great and i think the cameron crowe is great and the cast in general is great and he is truly for me a step above everyone well he has a very interesting character arc too because at first you're like oh, this guy's kind of full of himself he's yeah. like it's all about me you know and you end up caring for him more than anybody in this movie at the end you're like holy shit he fucking won he did what he needed to do he's getting his contract and you're you feel so good for him he bet on himself yeah well and and i love that like you know there's some scenes that really show that like it's it's an arc but it's also kind of a, a fun internal justification position which is like he calls and the, the the eight you know human head weighs eight pounds kid answers the phone and he's yelling at the kid but he's in the bathtub with his kid that's the same age right. he's like who is this this is your school teacher i'm about to whoop some ass yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's a perfect the character is a perfect like contrast to those things without making it feel forced nice Zach, I, I gotta, I gotta go after Nate. I pointed at Brad and said, "Let me go after Nate because I just don't think that there's anyone that I want to shag more from this movie than fucking uh, Regina King, Marcy Tidwell, uh, dude. She's like the ultimate supportive. You know, she holds it down at home. She gets his back totally. Brad's pointing at his screen that has the same thing for snag as I do, but man, dude, she's so legit and she's so just." I've talked about it several times. Like, there's there's something to be said about having like that ultimate like supportive woman at home or or on your arm or whatever it is that is kind of you know can kind of empower you to 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 do whatever you want. And I think she's she's totally amazing and uh, she's great. She's a good actress. Uh, she's funny. She's fucking serious. It's uh, it's really great. That's my snack. I'm I'm co-signing there, and I'll say the scene that really does it for me is a small scene uh, on the Monday Night Football game. Rod Tibble gets hurt, and when T.P. starts kind of talking a little bit she shit. after him. Because she kind of like, she, 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 you can see her, she's losing her patience, losing her patience, and then he, she sa he says one more thing, Ugh. and she says something for a second, and then you can see her like think about it for like just like 
five seconds more, and that's when she just goes ballistic and just starts trying to beat the shit that out of her. That slap and that kick when she and they like they're they, like whoever's grabbing her and holding her off, like she makes contact. She oh, yeah. smacks him across no, the head. She's very aggressive in that scene. It's like, yeah. damn, that's some some good acting. And Aries Spears. I was gonna say that Aries Spears. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but no, Regina King. Uh, uh, later on, she goes into The Watchmen, and if you watch Jerry Maguire playing this like loving wife and stuff, and then you go to to, to The Watchmen where she's just a badass and like she's, she's got so a fucking hard badass. edge to it. Um, she was Huey and Riley's voices in in the Boondocks uh, uh, cartoons series on the Adult Swim. Uh, directed One Night in Miami. I don't know if any of you guys saw that. Where it was uh, Sam Cooke. Ali, uh, Malcolm X, and Jim Brown all staying like in a hotel together. Pretty cool movie. So she would watch the reboot of The Watchmen on on HBO. Yeah, the series that is some that's very some good fucking shit. good. She's a badass in that. So all right, Regina King, uh, Scotch. Um, final I, snag. I'm gonna snag Jay Moore as Bob Sugar. Yeah, he's so smarmy. He was my second pick. So slick. Well, it's funny because I I listed Jay Moore first and then Cuba Gooding next. So and you took Cuba, Nate. Um, so I was like, okay, at least I got Jay Moore. You hate him so much, which, he, which is it's it sucks so bad because he's such an asshole, but it makes it so great at the end when he tries to hug his guy. It's like, why don't we have a relationship like that? <laughs> and just the whole thing, how it all comes crumbling down, it just makes it feel so good. He's still rich as fuck with a lot of clients. Oh, he's so. doing fine. <laughs> but just to see him get a little bit of a fuck you at the end is great. He's such a good douche, though. Jay Moore is so great in when he, this. When he takes him to the restaurant... And just his like, just the way yeah. he's kind of smiling at him. He's, he's so there. smarmy, dude. Or like, oh. or like, just like he's like when when Jerry's doing his whole like breakdown thing, and he just kind of waves at him. He does yeah. little little waves, like so bye. happy to tell him yeah. he's getting fired. Uh, Jay Moore is is awesome. There, there's a great. So he did a, a podcast like years ago. I listened to it, and I know we talk shit about Tom Cruise and about how crazy he is or whatever. It was just kind of cool to hear. His side, Jay Moore, talking about working with Tom Cruise. And it was neat to hear how cool he was with Jay Moore. Because Jay Moore really hadn't done very much. No, he was really new to it. He, yeah, and so, and Tom Cruise was just super welcoming and super warm and helped him out. And they worked the scenes together. And it, and so it was kind of another side of this thing. It's like, all you hear about is, is Tom Cruise jumping up on the couch and being weird or whatever. And all Scientology and all that shit. He's a wacko. Great. But at the same time, he's also super enthusiastic. He's a he's an actor that gives a shit about what he does. There's another a, a great audiobook I listened to, um, "How I Slept with My Way to the Middle" by um, a few good men. The actor uh, Kevin the, Pollock. Thank you so much, Kevin Pollock. <laughs> he also had a lot of great things to say about so, Tom Cruise. So, so I've heard this take yeah. a bunch, which is like you know, for whatever crazy, as an actor to other actors on the movies he's on. Right, as a he's great. People yeah. love him. I yeah. mean, like the other actors think he's great. Back to the, uh, just real quick on the Jay Moore thing. So I, I love, I loved him in this role, but I also like, he's a multi-talented dude. So I used to listen to the Jim Rome show a lot yeah. back in the like late nineties. His impression. And he's uh, well, no, he subbed for Jay, for Jim Rome all the time right. as a sports talk dude. I'm going to go body bag real quick because, you know, when you're the one leading the show, you can go first, and I don't want it to get <laughs> stolen. I, w I will not be surprised if other people had this. Mm -hmm. And here's here's the funny take. When I first saw the movie, this didn't bother me. Watching the movie now and finding out what the situation is, I just could not believe it's in the movie. Dickie Fox is not needed at all in this movie. The old guy 
That's right. supposed to be like so. His mentor. When I watched the movie, the, the first weird, time, like where he's just sitting at the desk talking. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So I thought it was an actual like this is the real sports agent. This is a real person that it was based on. So they're they're just giving him some like little screen time because like he's who it's based on, and he gets to kind of talk about his like life lessons and stuff. No, this is somebody actually one of the heads of the studio or something that they hired to be this Dickie Fox character. And I, it's just a mind-boggling. Why the fuck is this part in the movie? Jerry narrates most of the movie like when he needs to. Why do you have this old guy come out of left field like five different times and just say some random shit? Because it's it because he's saying all the good stuff that Jerry is finally realizing is what he should be doing type thing. I, I guess just, I think it's. I never so thought about it until now, and I'm kind of agreeing with you. It's like. It's it the fact weird. that if, if it was the real guy, like if he was a real person and it's just like, oh, it's cool to like have this real person in the movie talking about their experiences as a, as a sports agent. Hey, I could I, I wouldn't mind it. The fact that it's like a character that's not even real. Get that shit out of my movie. We don't need that. That's like five extra minutes we could have cut from this movie. No, no agreement. I don't. <laughs> I didn't bother. I, never, I never even noticed it, really. I didn't even know who you were talking about until I was like, oh, the old guy that's kind of there. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying, though. Is it necessary? If it's not, it seems like if it's missing, if that if that's taken out of the movie, it, if your heart no isn't difference. in it, then your head doesn't matter. Or whatever I, I, the fuck I, I think it's totally not necessary. You lose, but nothing. it's not super distracting to me. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted of, to be a real person. Speaking of super distracting, the worst part of this movie is the last ten seconds when Jonathan Lipnicki picks up a raw or a, the baseball <laughs> totally and throws it. In a throw that maybe goes two feet, yeah, a and it flies fly. over a, a, the sidearm. The like. worst form, the worst <laughs> throw. And I'm not trying to shame a little kid. Like he's a little kid. Like I turned to my wife and I was like, "What the fuck was that?" She's like, "That kid's four. I'm like, "I don't care." She was like, all mad at me because I was pissed about it. But the fact that he turns to the wife and is like, "We're gonna fuck." Like, there's no way. A A, you're just an agent. You're not an evaluator of talent. Like, obviously, you're not an evaluator of talent because you just saw that throw and thought, oh, my God, this kid could go to the majors. Like, literally, I would have thought, like, maybe we should not have him play sports because he's going to get embarrassed and fucking kids are going to make fun of him. But the ball goes uh, 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 they... up. The ball goes up no, when it he goes... throws it sideways and it goes down. <laughs> no. Jesus, magic. fuck. I, magic. I, I was just absolutely floored by that. Like, there's so much sports action in this movie that could be like you know there's there's re some ridiculous stuff in the nfl action but it's like for the most part like kind of sort of there yeah but this that scene is just inexcusable to me the fact that he turns to her and is like well, maybe he could be a pitcher for the yonkers or whatever the fuck it makes zero sense i hate it get it out of here so, so zach was also the guy who was probably throwing his club at his uh, <laughs> golf coach back in the day <laughs> Definitely no not. Squat, coach. <laughs> so so I, I, I'm in a body bag right on top of that. And I'm going to say it's also the last scene, but for a totally different reason, which is the charitable interpretation of this for Cameron Crowe is that we're all supposed to realize that this isn't going to work. I think the probably more likely interpretation is that he's trying to wrap this thing up in a bow that makes us believe that all of a sudden they figured out they really love each other. And for me, I'm like, I don't. I I think that's what is he's probably actually trying to do, and I don't buy that at all. Like for all the reasons we've talked about, and and I think one of the things that also gets overlooked here a little bit because we've talked a lot about how Jerry, sort of the narcissist, and Jerry is trying to force himself to like, you know, marry her and do all these things. 
I mean, her opening, she's clearly just sort of infatuated with him and looking for somebody, you know, she finds him attractive and magnetic. And so, like, she's sort of overlooking the fact that she's really doesn't know that much about him and doesn't like that much about him beyond the death. She says, I love him for the man that he almost is and the man that he wants to be. It's like there's a lot of, you know, problems with her investment in the relationship that kind of gets washed away a little bit as the movie goes on as though she's really in love but he's not and i'm like eh like they, neither one of them sell it and maybe they both are so desperate for somebody yeah that they're like oh but, you're but, here but, let's do this and i think the final scene is supposed to be like oh they've come to terms with the fact that they really are going to work out for each other and i'm not I, I don't i don't know that that's i don't know that he was going for the complexity I'm with you, bro. there i'm with you <laughs> scotch i'm body bagging just tom cruise and his overacting <laughs> I'm not sure who's a big, bigger overactor in the the him or Jim Carrey, honestly, because I was just watching this, and like just some of his scene, like the whole thing was like I'm not gonna do it. You think I'm gonna do it? Freak out! It's like, <laughs> dude, nobody's gonna act like that. And the f- are you serious? It's just weird. And I I just for some reason I was just watching this movie with a completely different view and. All his his scenes bothered me. Him like crawling up to the to like when in the beginning when he's having his after he wakes up and he has his dream and he's like crawling up to the fucking computer and like all <laughs> dramatic and shit. It was just too much and it pissed me off and I was just pissed. So, so the scene where I where I had that uh, that reaction was he's on the phone pretending to be um, pretending to be Kush. Oh, yeah, and he, he holds this really intense smile. Oh, and, yeah. like, it focuses on him really heavily. And I was like, when did we jump into American Psycho? Like, why is he Christian Bale, like, ready to kill people? It really, I was like, this is yeah. freaking me out right yeah. now. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, I just didn't buy it this time around. And, again, I loved this movie the first few times I watched it. I've watched it a billion times. I always enjoyed it. This time I just sat back and watched it, and I was pissed. I don't know whose point it was. I think it was yours that this is all colored by we know – more about Tom Cruise right. now, right? I think that's a huge part. And of I it. wonder if that's what tainted my whole yeah. point. Who knows? Possibly. Although I still love Vanilla Sky. All right, let's move forward. I still love the enemy. Crackle, Pluto, HBO, Bananame on Crunchyroll, Peacock, Hulu, Disney, Netflix, Doobie, Sling TV, Shoot Up, Shoot Up, Boo, Boo. What the fuck is Boo? Well, I'm sure it'll cause a sensation. It's a streaming recommendation. All right, streaming recommendations. What did Jerry Maguire make you think about? What are you going to tell our BBK fans to go and check out on their own? I'm the only thing I can think of was a, a love story that, and I don't know how. I, I'm curious to know what other people think of this movie, but it's a movie that has Kelly Preston in it as well. And a love story that I actually bought a hell of a lot more than Jerry Maguire for Love of the Game. Oh, I didn't know. I forgot she was in that. Kelly Preston and Kevin Costner. It's kind of underrated. Like, it, there, there are parts of it that I don't love, but I actually really kind of like it. I fucking love this movie. And I don't know why. It's just, the, I mean, of course, you know, it, it's just the, the whole story. It's got Vin Scully in the background, which is kind of weird because he's like, why would Vin Scully be doing a, a, a Tigers-Yankees Tigers, yeah. game? <laughs> <laughs> which, whatever. But um, anyway, I just love them. I, I like the story. It's got a, 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 it's pretty cool how they, he's pitching a game and he's like thinking about his life and his, his whole reaction with Kelly Preston. And I don't know. I love it. For the love of the game, 
It's on Stars if you have a subscription, or you can rent it anywhere else. There you go. Nate? So I'm going to go pretty far. I'm going to kind of go rogue here because this isn't all that close of a tie, but we, I talked about this as more of like a romantic dramedy if we're going to talk about that. And I saw one recently that I loved, and I told the guys about that, and that's Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Mm. Great it's movie. on Apple+. Plus. Um, it, it's one that I kind of almost completely missed. It's got Dakota Johnson. Um, it's um, it's a it, it's a little hard to describe. I mean, the basic premise is that there's a there's this this guy that you know surrounding like bat mitzvahs, and he sort of is like an MC for them uh, accidentally, and he interacts with the single mother and her kid, and so there's a little bit of that element to it too, and there's a little bit of a dramedy. I don't know, it just kind of blew me away. Um, and, and I, I still haven't watched it yet, unfortunately. I think I sent you the trailer for it. And the main actor. He is, did, is, yeah, uh, a while back. The main actor is the director, right? Of the movie, yeah. The movie. Um, and I can't think of his fucking name right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm missing that too. So yeah, Apple Plus, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Give it a shot. It's a weird name, but it's a great movie. So I think that there's a real easy answer to this. And if you want to talk about awesome shit with sports agents and a show that I really dug and that is an actor that I don't love which is Dwayne Johnson in Ballers I don't know if you guys have watched Ballers series on HBO I really like it this episodes are very it's like the sports agent version of Entourage, almost. It's uh, it's the episodes are really quick. That's a great description. Yeah, they're like twenty minutes, and uh, man, it's it's good. It's got it's got a lot of really topical stuff. They talk about a lot of the same stuff. There's a lot of concussion talk. There's a lot. You know, he's a sports agent. Um, very cool. I like it. You guys should check it out. I watched I watched the the entire series, which I don't normally do. I usually watch stuff about three quarters of the way and then give up. Denzel's kid, John David Washington. He's great in it. it. And he moves on to the fucking the movie that he did with uh with Nolan that's he's absolute dog shit in it. (laughs) I don't understand how he could be the same guy. I thought he was okay in it, but all right. Um my pick is not streaming. So sorry about that. But Mystery Alaska, another kind of sports slash dramedy uh uh it's it's definitely got a lot uh, it's a lot about uh relationships Mm -hmm. um relationships that are fizzling out relationships that are are illicit all sorts of different things going on in this little small town uh great movie from one crow to the next it's russell this time check it out but you're gonna have to rent it because it's not streaming i've never seen that it's a hockey movie oh dude mystery alaska yeah good one it's fun solid really good really good one is it like northern exposure or Oh, I've never seen that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, the, the, the premise is very silly sports because it's the New York Rangers come to play like this like pond hockey team. Like it's like the local little town team that plays on the pond, and the New York Rangers come and play them. So, but but, but the, that's like the sort of climax of the yeah. movie. I mean, the, the movie is a lot more about this little town and the culture that surrounds yeah. this very like. Primitives. Primitives is not the right Hard word. Hardworking, small yeah. town, Alaska. Blue collar. Blue collar yeah. hockey. That's a good yeah. one. There's a lot of actors in it that you'll like, oh, oh, like, oh there's guy. the guy. Yeah, yeah. Tons and tons yeah. of people that you know. Yeah. Yep. So check out Mr. Alaska. All right. I think we're moving forward. No jet watch for Maverick. Mexico on that goose stick. Iceberg list Titanic. Leo's drawing that nude shit. Jim fucks Nadia like we all thought he should. Ricky and Doughboy get the fuck out the hood. Luke hooks up with Leia just like he's intending. It's time for a reshelf and alternate endings.
right. It's a reshelf time. Alternate endings. Who's got something for me? Where are you? How are you changing Jerry Maguire? I mean, I am curious to see how Jerry Maguire told Don. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a fun one. Um, so what I have is, it's it, so the movie is exactly the same. At the very end, he walks into the room, and he does his whole spiel, and he says, after he, after he says, "You complete me." She stares at him like in utter disbelief. And she's like, you love me so much that you have to steal a line from a deaf guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can't use your agent tricks when it comes to true love. I only complete you because you can't be alone. Who wants coffee? And then all the divorcees start babbling and talking, whatever. And Jerry slinks out the door. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Final shot is him walking down the street alone, looking at his little black book. Oh, I kind of like that. God damn! I mean, we. I, I. I'm. I'm kind of in that same direction. Uh, I said it's more of a part two rather than like an alternate ending. But Jerry Maguire two, show me the MRI. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's kind of short on cash. He's trying to keep his his limited clients on the field. They're getting concussion after concussion, and there's an NFL team doctor who finally writes a memo similar to his like early one, and he he really kind of takes it to heart. He's like, damn, okay, this guy's right. And he refuses to negotiate any more contracts for his overly concussed players. Uh, he forfeits, you know, future paychecks, and he's unable to pay his bills. And uh, Dorothy and Ray leave him. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's like the that's like the best ending. The the best ending is Jerry ending up in like like broken alone, right? <laughs> but I think the way that this movie gets even better is if you change the name of it from Jerry Maguire to Rod Tidwell, hey, and fact. you just follow Rod and his wife and his kids. His kids funny, like freaking the, the, that whole thing. You just have Jerry as like a bit player. You don't even know what's going on with Jerry. He just like kind of comes in and out every once in a while. And then you've got you've got Rod like going through his kind of ups and downs. He's in the league. He's struggling. He finally you know has a like a cool maybe that's where Jerry comes in he has the cool conversation with him where he like kind of challenges him and tells him you know you don't play with heart and he's like fuck you I'm gonna play with heart you know what I mean goes out there tears it up and then you have the same crescendo and the same ending and you get to celebrate with Rod instead of fucking this bullshit where Jerry's like oh this is my wife I think that I kind of like <laughs> well I, you know it's interesting is because like I saw a little blurb that uh, somebody asked Cameron, Cameron Crow about a sequel and he said the only thing I really could see is if Tidwell, if the Tidwells were the oh, next really? thing, like, so, you know, he agrees. Like, I think the most interesting aspect of all of this would be to see what happens with Rod and his wife and everything like that. I just want at least one conversation between Rod and his wife where they're they're talking about Jerry like behind his back, like the, oh, some of the totally. shit that they say about him. Like, <laughs> She's like, you know, he's some... got a tiny dick, right? And he's like, fucking <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Brad's choking. Ah, dying over here. All right, Nate, what's, uh, you, you got? Okay, I want you guys to truly try to picture this, okay? I want really try to put yourself in the moment. So you, you, we're going back. We, we've watched the entire movie, okay? Okay. For real. Not, not, this isn't fantasy land. Like, mm -hmm. This is really the way the movie's you know, going. So we watched the entire movie. He, he realizes that he misses her. He realizes that he wants to be with her. He goes to the house. He shows up in the cab. He walks in the living room, right? They all look at him. He makes his plea, right? He says, you know, he gets to the end. He says, you know, you complete me. And she says, shut up. You had me. At, and before she can get hello out, 
all the divorcees who are vampires attack Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> and they just rip him apart. <laughs> and she, she just, Dorothy is just stunned because she doesn't know either. And she just like literally just blood splattering on Dorothy. She's kind of like, you know, like kind of stay, get out of the way. And then it just ends with like these, you know, just Jerry's like severed head in the living room with the kid going, the human head weighs eight pounds. <laughs> <laughs> or the, you see like Lip Nicky walk in, he like picks it up by the hair to take yeah. it into the bathroom <laughs> the to weigh it. Head yeah. Eight. <laughs> And then you know, Jerry Maguire told Don. Oh, that's that's a great one. I didn't way think to... he would be able to do it. He did it. I, I and <laughs> the final thing we can talk about is I don't know if anybody's got any movie ending songs, but they do end with a, a little Bob Dylan song. And if you wanted to change that up and be a little bit more topically topical, you know, you could go with uh, a little Quiet Riot, uh, Metal Health, Bang Your Head. You know, little is concussion. that concussion joke? It's a little concussion joke. <laughs> Bang your head right at the end. I always wonder, this is off topic, sort of. Like, I I watch these music videos and, like, I've never really been to, like, I've been to a lot of metal shows, but not a lot of shows where dudes are, like, really headbanging. Like, you could really, like, shake your fucking skull up. Like, Scott, you're probably, like, the most... The, the 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 biggest rock star that I know like do do people hurt their fucking brains headbanging I think that's a thing it yeah. has to be right I I did a lot of headbanging did you my day that's why I say so many stupid things <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying dude no, like I would think no, like I your mean, brains no, rattling around I swear to God there were there were times because I fucking straight up would would bang my head. I listened to a lot of heavy metal and well, especially drumming. Head, yeah, for sure. And you'd get so lightheaded, and you'd be like, "Holy shit, what just happened?" You'd like be kind of whatever, like moving around. Yeah, you you fuck yourself up. Dude, when they do those little like cube computer images of like this is what your brain looks like when it's getting concussed, and it's like just that little soggy thing like bouncing around in the skull. I'm like, that doesn't look like yeah. fun. I mean, I, I think that there's like research to show that. People that headbang at concerts have mild forms of CTE. I would think there's right? been evidence of this. I think. Hey, so don't headbang. It was worth it. Or play. <laughs> play uh, all right, well, folks, uh, that about wraps up a BVK podcast. We talked about Jerry Maguire, but next week we're coming back at you with a draft, and we're going to be drafting the most memorable romantic one-liners from films. And I cannot say I'm happy about this because this is just. I picked this movie. You picked this movie and this draft category. I know, but they call it like a, I know, but I just, I did it for you, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they call this movie a, a, a bromantic comedy because it's like the one that like, you can take your, 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 your guy to because it's got football and sports, but it's also romantic comedy. I don't know if I agree with that. And so most, rant, most romantic lines, you guys are probably going to have some amazing ones. And I'm going to be like, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. I'm just laughing at Nate's cat fucking yelling at us this whole time. <laughs> Wrap just it up, bitch. Go to bed. Yeah. I think that's I think when the, when you hear the cat, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> Folks, hey, it's been a pleasure. Time's a flat circle here on Bev's Video Kingdom. We may have already done this draft and it's really fucking good. You guys need to uh tune in next week and listen to it because uh it was really funny, it made me laugh. So, you guys should check it out. And we'll be have a returning guest, a, a, a guest judge who has been here at the BVK Outdoor Studio before. She's coming back to judge our romantical romanticals. So we'll see. <laughs> Romantic romanticals? Yeah. 
Anything else? Follow us on the socials. Yeah. Say nice things about us. Comment. Come on, come share. Yeah, interact. Interact. Get with some us. people say, God damn it, you should be listening to this show. Please like us. Bye bye. Start this